Hello and welcome to the Fourth Host Cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel and I'm a little bit unglued. I'm Brian Dawes and I'm a little bit unhinged. I'm Chris Delano and I am definitely unstable. And Jay and Ellie is unavailable. And that's all because today, finally, is our Flavor Gems of Unsanctioned episode. And this is a, a new silver-bordered product Five 30-card pre-constructed decks. You take two, shuffle them together. A friend takes two, shuffles them together. You play a game of Magic. Features uh, 16 brand new cards and uh, a couple pieces of new art. It's very exciting. And uh, so we're just kind of going to go card by card through the whole set. And before we do that, though, because that's not a whole lot. You said we were going through the whole set and we're not going through the whole set. Just the new cards. So, okay. That's semantics. We're going through the set that includes new cards. Apparently going through the whole set would be unreasonable. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Well played. Well played. I'll give you that. <laughs> I write comedy for a living. Um, so we're going to do something we haven't done in a very long time. Let's answer some listener questions. <laughs> which have been probably sitting at the bottom in the notes section of our agenda for, I don't know, four or five months, six months. Who knows? Anyway, uh, this first one is a question from uh, the Besh Around, at the Besh Around. The question is, any significance to Corona, the false god, on the Memorial of Warland from Dominaria? You know, the set. Um, that was uh, part of the uh, a cycle of lands. Each one had a statue or something on it referencing an old moment or character. Uh, this is the red one. It destroys a land. Uh, I think the answer is uh, yes. All right, next question. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, the fallout from Corona's war on Otaria is that Otaria was raised nearly to the ground. Um, a big part of the world building for Dominaria the set is like the Avon from Otaria fled the continent. And so like a lot of them um, are in Benalia now. Benalia took in a lot of those Avon refugees and they kind of folded their ancestor worship into the Church of Sarah and stuff and started a new sect and whatnot. Um, and Akroma worship, I think, they also put in there. Yeah. So the, the idea is Coronas were desolated Otaria. And so as the land that destroys another land, um, having a statue of Corona on top of just like a, I was about to say a blasted landscape, but that's a whole other card. Having Corona on, on just on top of like a desolate landscape um, is representative of that catastrophic war that technically kicked off the Rift Era. Rift, oh my god, Rift Era. I do words for a living. <laughs> um, and to, to sort of riff off of that, uh, we also have Skirk Prospector in Dominaria, who references the sort of devastation of Otaria, um, because these goblins are still digging underground and aren't actually aware of the absolute devastation that's going on up above. That's so. very funny. It's a very clever set. It's also very sad. Is yep. it? Well, I mean, if you think about it, these goblins don't have any connection to the land. It's kind of become this desolate wasteland above them and they make red mana by sacrificing themselves consider they were doing that before anyway <laughs> this um. is true <laughs> dominarian goblins not the brightest goblins in the tool shed well that's because they're all 
interbred with mogs now and mogs are dumb as hell but that's neither here nor there because we have another question from at any lame name which i think is a pretty great name so the question is the way i understand it the deep oceans of ravnica were completely hidden until the zonots opened up how did the ocean survive millennia in the dark the entire ecology of an ocean is built on photosynthesis to which i will answer at any lame name you're thinking of earth's oceans these are ravnica's oceans they're different. Also magic. Also, there are there are parts of an ocean's ecology that aren't built on photosynthesis. Oh, does this is this the part where I get to go and jump into very special interest things talking about uh sulfur fixing bacteria along thermal vents and also the um methane seeps? Uh that's exactly what I was setting you up for, yes. Yeah, there there are there are underwater lakes in the deep sea in uh the Gulf of Mexico. Um, specifically, I don't know where else they appear in the world, but um, the ones I'm most familiar with are in the Gulf of Mexico. They are they are underwater lakes uh, with their own um, tides and waves and whatnot made of a super dense uh, salty water. Uh, super saturated is the word I'm going for. And they are part of methane seeps. Uh, so methane from the mantle bubbles up to the surface. There are bacteria that use methane as a metabolic chemical so they they create energy uh, with chemosynthesis totally independent of the sun and there are entire uh, ecosystems built around these lakes so the shorelines of these lakes are lined with mussels there are fish um, that sometimes dive in and out of the methane lake to eat bacteria or small critters that are hiding in they're like kind of foggy there are like the the vents i think are more well known um this is where you see a lot of uh bleached white uh organisms because they don't need pigments because there's no light and uh so these are like the giant tube worms there's also uh yeti crabs and uh that that's that's all built around uh chemosynthetic bacteria that use uh sulfur to create energy because those are those are volcanic vents and the uh, underground oceans on ravnica did Definitely were not like that at all. They were just, it's just magic. <laughs> well, we don't know. We could see one day. Yeah. Um, we like we also don't know how covered Ravnica was 10,000 years ago. We don't know when the oceans were fully covered up and when the merfolk were forgotten. You know what? That would be, because everyone speculated uh, what species Simic is. And some people say one of those original weird Simic elves. Some people say Vidalkin. Some people say hybrid. What if, like, what if Simic was just a merfolk and no one remembered because no one remembered the merfolk? That's a really good... I like that a lot, actually. That makes a ton of sense to me. Head cannon. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's not canon. Please don't quote us on that. <laughs> um, uh, honestly, I would love to find out one day. Like, God, and it's so, it's so weird to, like, want to speculate about future legends but like commander legends is sitting right there later this year and like any of the legendary things we could ever speculate about might just be in that set so it's like what's the point like we'll just see in the set later this year i'm just really excited for the inevitable Halloween and alina cards um, same they're definitely in there i'm i am speculating that yeah i am currently uh, in the process with the the new uh, International Women's Day secret lair thing, uh, I'm I'm gonna be building a Saskia lesbians commander deck. So get ready. Uh, and then the last question we're gonna tackle tonight is from at Eric Wood thirteen, who asks, 
Are there any full-fledged ice-slash-winter planes in Magic? Not like Dominaria's Ice Age, which is more of an event, but more of a world whose theme is everlasting winter setting. I think the closest we have is Kaldheim, but like that's from one plane chase card took place on top of an icy mountain, but that doesn't mean Kaldheim is an icy plane. It's also just one plane chase plane, so like we don't we don't even know what Kaldheim is. Um, but I, like I'm trying to think, like that's the only. Of all the planes we've seen, that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head that had a majority ice-themed aesthetic. But again, that's off of a single piece of art, so... And, like, Kaldheim's not even a real plane. Yet. <laughs> Yet. It, it did get name-dropped in, uh... What was it? One of the Rivals of Ixalan stories, I think? Mm-hmm. It was when Hwatley tried to, uh... Planeswalk. Yeah. But I, I, I don't think we have... Like, we get almost no snow settings anymore anyway, regardless. Um, like, snow is hinted at. Like So, like, Zendikar has a entire polar continent called Sajiri. Um, so we have some snow-themed cards in Zendikar sets. We had uh, Glacial Fortress reprint in Ixalan, which was a reference to some polar ice caps way off on the edge of the map. Um, Dominaria obviously had the whole Ice Age set in which... Uh, the plane was largely one of those ice planes. And people don't realize, like, the Ice Age lasted for nearly 3,000 years. Um, it's I guess it's closer to, like, 2,500. But that that's a huge chunk of Dominarian history. Pretty much, that's that's slightly more... I think it's a little more than half of Dominaria's history between the Brothers' War and present day has been the Ice Age. Everything else, almost everything else has taken place after, um, which is impressive. You could say it was pretty cool, actually. It was. It was a chill time. Brian, you don't have a, a, a winter pun on there? No. No, I'm sorry. I feel an icy towards that one. Oh, God. <sighs> ah! Okay. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't see ice. We, like, we see cryomancy, but we don't see an ice worlds or ice regions. Like, even Thing in the Ice is the only polar thing we saw from Innistrad. But I would like to see an ice man. I think cryomancy is cool. I think the visuals of it are cool. Uh, I don't know how much magic actually has to do with it mechanically. It's mostly the you know the the quote unquote freeze mechanic tap down doesn't untap. So Tarkir is actually probably now that I I'm thinking <laughs> in the background of my head Tarkir is probably where we saw the most ice um, in Calcisma Cal- in the Khan's timeline and then um, the Ojutai's the the monasteries in the Dragon's timeline. I mean, Calcisma in the Dragon's Timeline still has some ice, but it's mostly melted. I mean, Kamigawa had a decent amount of ice in the red, like the so the Sokenizen, or I forget, I forget so how Kenzen. to pronounce that word. Yeah, the, that mountain range. Yes. Was, there was a lot of ice themes with yetis and storms and whatnot. Yeah, well, and, and that, that was a set where a lot of the red burn spells were ice-flavored. Glacial Ray, very good, that standard. As long as we're talking about Kamigawa's snowy mountains... Maybe the best cycle of basic mountains in a single set ever. I actually like their islands too. No, like overall, the Kamigawa basics are fantastic. Yeah, I think the mountains are my favorite of them, um, but they're all very good. the 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 bridge mountain with the stone bridge is yeah. one of my favorite mountains they've ever printed. I like the hovering island with the waterfalls coming off of it. Yeah. 
I'm I'm not a person who wants to go back to Kamigawa, but I can appreciate some of the cool things in Kamigawa. Like, there's lots of things about Kamigawa I like. I just think it's a terrible decision to go back. Disappointed. <laughs> I think that Kamigawa deserves a place in some of the uh, flavor of cards that are coming out in supplemental products. And I think it would be great to have Kamigawa mentioned in core sets, but I don't know if I want to go back for a full set. I think... Kamigawa gets a bad rap with, especially with Maro, because he like he relates Kamigawa to it being a down period in Magic's history because people were quitting the game left and right because Kamigawa was unpopular. The reason why Kamigawa was unpopular is because they depowered the set so much because they had to ban so much in the set before, which was freaking Mirrodin block. So there was also a lot of flavor problems when it comes to not. I think it was a wonderfully flavored set and it was very uh, well done. But I think that there were some issues with player connecting to it, that the set sort of played in areas of uh, Japanese mythology and Japanese lore and history. Yeah, the Shintoism. Yeah, Yeah. that wasn't really accessible to a lot of the audiences that were interested in it. And then there were four-armed snake people for no reason. Uh, And some of them had boobs. And that was weird because they're snakes. But that's a different (laughs) story. Snoobies. Um, That is like a couple tangents away from that question. But oh yeah, that's fine. Um, so we're gonna move on to our flavor gems for Unsanctum. Do we want to do any news first? We should have talked. Like I, I realized when I was talking about the the Saskia deck that we should have mentioned the thing. Well, now we're not going to talk about the International Women's Day uh, secret layer that's coming out featuring five very popular commanders. Wow. Yep. Not going to talk about that. Are you, are you saying we're just going to leave this section in? Yep. We're going to go right into talking about the cards. Good job, Chris. See, this is what happens when Jay's not here. Everything is chaos. Jay is organized. Um, honestly, I forgot that the announcement happened this week because I've had a busy work week. So, uh, Yeah, we got uh, it's Saskia the Unyielding, Narset, Enlightened Master. Uh, it's Meren of Clan Naltoth. It is Una, Queen of the Fae, and Captain Sisse. All five foil, I think no bordered. New art, uh, all all five illustrated by women, prominent women in Magic's art scene already. Uh, 25% of donations are going to charity to support women's charities. And it's pretty cool. I wish Alessio was there, but I don't design the products. It's actually $25. Oh, $25. That's 50% because they're yeah. retailing for $50. I am a big fan of the Marin of Clan Neltoth. She was one of my very first commander decks that I finished. Wow, what an asshole. Oh, yeah. No, I finished <laughs> it and then realized it was way too powerful for my playgroup and like had to dis- like disassemble it. It was just beyond reproach. Um, And I love that card and I love that art and I am gonna do my best to get a copy of it it should be out in about a week from when this podcast goes live i think the the date is uh uh, march 8th march 8th so yeah just to do like exactly a week but that is neither here nor there for unsanctioned which is now we are actually going to move on to flavor gems of unsanctioned and we're just going to go through all the new cards some of them don't have a lot to say about, but we'll start with Abstract Iguanart, because this is secretly a little art reference. 
And uh, it's not by the same artist who did the older card, but uh, the creature in this piece is almost identical to the one on Lathnu Sailback, back from Kaladesh block. The problem to me is that Lathnu Sailback being a lizard when it's a synapsid, because it's based on Dimetrodon and its kin, it being a lizard is wrong. It, there was a... a Dimetrodon thing in Ixalan that was a dinosaur and that is also wrong by the way and then this one like I love the iguana art pun but this is not an iguana but the art reference is cute so I'm okay with it I guess it's abstract <laughs> so I'll, I'll give them that in short everything was wrong with this card well it, the creature type is art which I think is adorable the unsets get to do uh, cute little things on the on the type lines, which falls under Vortho stuff. And it being a, an actual piece of art as a creature type is cute. Yeah. The next card is a Cornelia Fashionable Filter. She's a legendary creature, Squirrel, for one black and three colorless. And she says, and she's a 3-3, three, three, uh, whenever you cast a spell with a squirrel in its art, you get an acorn counter, which has its own little art signature thing. Uh, it's a symbol, I guess. And it's an acorn. It's great. Um, but it's, I love how she's just stuffing a bunch of acorns into the vault and, and like they, they're sh they shine like gold. It's great. Yeah. It's like a vault in like the knot hole of a tree. Yeah. It's cute. I personally really like the fact that she has this sort of like gadget on her back. And her hat has a little umbrella coming out of it. And it made me think <laughs> of the Agents of Sneak from Unstable. Yes. And so I kind of wondered if maybe she was like some sort of disgraced member who went off on her own because she's got the green activated cost. That would have been great, especially if they had like the watermark because watermarks were part of Unstable. So or it could have been crossed out. I think she's just an evil squirrel and she has it because she's a fashionable filter and she stole it because the agents of Sneak are bad at being spies. This is true. Fair. Well, I have the next card, which is one I'm very excited to talk about, which is Alexander Clamilton. Um, so when I first started playing Magic, my brother had a bunch of cards from Unglued and among them were all of the different Clamfolk cards. Uh, Alexander Clamilton is uh, two and a blue. For a legendary creature, Clamfolk Advisor Rebel, which is just a delightful uh, creature type assortment to have. Um, whenever you cast a wordy spell, you scry two. And wordy is a returning concept, I believe. Um, I think it was in Unhinged originally. Yes. Um, and it is a spell is wordy if it has four or more lines of rules text, uh, which is uh, includes Alexander Clamilton because he has this really... Uh, long-winded that I'm not going to read the entire thing to activate ability for one in a red, where essentially he duels another creature in play, um, which is how famously Alexander Hamilton, who this card is referencing, dies by getting in a duel with Aaron Burr. Uh, for those of you who listen and are not from the United States or do not have Spotify and haven't listened to the multi-award-winning musical Hamilton. It's great. It is really good. It is fantastic. Uh, that is sort of the story of Alexander Hamilton, who was the first Treasury Secretary of the United States. Um, but this is Alexander Clamilton, who is a Clamfolk, and the Clamfolk were in Unglued, and there were three Clamfolk cards. 
of which one of them is one of my favorite magic cards of all time called Clambassadors, um, which has flavor text that is, sorry for shelling your village, take some gold. <laughs> and then there's also Clam Session, which is a card that requires you to sing words of a song, every upkeep or sacrifice it. Um, and I just think the clams are absolutely adorable. They're cute. They're bivalves, which is exciting because those are weird animals that exist in the world. You you put that note in there for me to talk about it. And I like, did. I already went off on the thing about the methane seep, so I'm not going to go off about clams. We can do that another time. We will file the bivalve rant for later. Or I'll just go on the podcast account and just start spamming pictures of uh, gooey ducks. You know, whatever. Freak people out. Um, the podcast account is family friendly, so please don't spam pictures of gooey ducks. Why? It's just their feet. They're very weird looking. I like them, but they're very weird. They look like penises. <laughs> oh, they do. To move us along from that statement, um, the next card in the, the set is just bat. It's a bat. It's one of the new, uh, it's a new augment card. I, pretty much the only flavorful adorability of this card is that you can uh, augment the uh, Merman card from Unstable to make Batman. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't know how I missed that. Now you know. Oh man, that, that's, that's great. Um, one thing to note about this that will come up later is the augment card uh, of Bat, which is just bat dash uh, gives the creature plus one plus one, and the trigger from it is at the beginning of each end step. And if the opponent, if an opponent has lost three or more life this turn, just keep that in mind. But we'll move on because there's not really much to say about bats. I mean, I could say a lot about bats, but I won't because we're going to move on to Bob, Bevy of Beebles, which is a brand new planeswalker who is a Bevel of Beebles. <laughs> um, this is uh, yeah, a new blue planeswalker card uh, made out of Beebles whose loyalty is the same as the number of Beebles you control. So however many Beebles you control, that's how much Bob's uh, loyalty is. And when the loyalty changes, the number of Beebles change. Like, it creates this weird interaction where, like, you are using abilities that are impacting the number of Beebles you have. And it's bizarre. I don't know why they let Mark design cards sometimes because this is it's just wild anyway the more, more important part is uh that this is uh i believe this is jeff miracola's first planeswalker card uh jeff has illustrated every people uh they were a cute little thing for a cover of the duelist i believe originally and then they debuted in exodus and then existed in magic for the urza sets and then they stopped being in magic because they're goofy as hell because they're little pink things with big round ears and naked little butts. Uh, so they've been relegated to the unsets. So there were a couple people cards in Unhinged. There was, I think, one in Unstable. And so now this is our new people card. Uh, way in the back of the art uh, is a beeble in a Jace cloak with its hands up glowing blue. So I like, I like that it's kind of poking fun at like Jace being the most notable blue planeswalker and it's it's kind of like Jace the mind sculptory and then there's otherwise just a whole bunch of beebles in this underground it looks like a sewer or something it's fantastic i love beebles they are also delicious 
They are. That's like uncanon. It's also uncanny. I really hope that the Beebles or Bob survived War of the Spark. I would hate for them to have been eliminated entirely by the Eternals, but okay. Um, <laughs> the next card is Boomstacker. Um, Boomstacker is a goblin who I'm sure Jay loves because I'm pretty sure didn't he change his Twitter by or Twitter identity something with Boomstacker? His, his yeah, his Twitter display name was Jay and Ellie Boomstacker for a bit. Yes. Uh, so Jay and Ellie Boomstacker um, is a goblin artificer, and it it deals with the dice mechanics. Um, but this time, it's it's something that couldn't be in Black Border Magic solely because it relies on manual dexterity. Because its power and toughness are determined by the number of dice that are stacked on it, um, and when the stack falls, you have to sacrifice it. But the art is the typical Dominarian goblin with some kind of it with like all these explosives just piled onto it and it's it's so typical it's great it's everything you expect a goblin in an onset to be and the art is perfect by jesper jesper elsen or icing um yeah i believe i saw maro mention that his record during playtesting was 10 dice which is obscene for a three drop <laughs> <laughs> Uh, important to note, it is definitely wearing a hat, so it uh, gets the the ability from Goblin Haberdasher. That is a hat. Wow. I just thought it was something to carry a fuse, but yeah, that, that definitely would count as a hat, I would assume. So yeah. I'm going to say for Goblin terms, it is a hat. Yeah, I agree. Like, it, it has a function to set itself on fire or to blow everything up. So yeah. Anyway, next card is Flavor Judge. Um, and it is a chicken with a referee, uh, smock is, or shirt on. Um, and it's great. It's, choose target, the ability, cause the stats really don't matter on this card. It's, it's all about the ability. Choose target spell or ability that targets a permanent you control. Then ask a person outside the game if the story of what will happen makes sense. If they say no, sacrifice Saber Judge and counter target spell or ability. And the flavor text is, and now they're trying to make a brick wall on my property fight a dinosaur to the death. <laughs> like, to me, that just brings up my, that brings up mental images of my Arcades deck where some kind of zero ten wall blocks, um, some kind of small dinosaur and it kills the dinosaur. It's like, and you're looking at the chickens like, is this for real? Are you really letting this happen? And the chicken's like, oh man, what, what is going on here? Oh yeah, hey, I also have an Arcades deck. Wall of Omens beatdown is real. Um, one thing I hate about this though is that uh, this is a bird advisor and not a chicken advisor because with this set they are errating all the chicken cards from previous onsets to be birds and care about birds instead of chickens. And I think that is bad. I think they should have stayed chickens. Or they could have at least added. They could have added the bird type onto it so that it no, could still remain just chickens. Been a chicken. Chick chickens are funny, birds are not. Chickens are the comedy bird. They they want them to be able to be used in a bird tribal deck in in other casual formats, including maybe EDH if you're playing silver board at EDH. Well, that's silly. They should be chickens. All I have to say is that birds were sort of the marquee, or not birds. Now they've done it to me. I've been a rabbit. <laughs> chickens are like the 
main creature type of the unglued set because unglued and unhinged both had a like sort of tribal theme throughout them where unglued had chickens and unhinged had donkeys and um, it had ass folk I-, I hate unhinged i hate unhinged so much unhinged had a couple of really great cards uh but that set is not great in terms of flavor um but it makes me sad to see that it is a bird instead of a chicken when we had the whole chicken theme in Unglued. Well, you know what? You can just play R&D Secret Lair and it's, it'll always remain a chicken, except for Flavor Dredge, which has the chicken or the bird flavor. That's some secret tech. Oh, God. Interesting note, the artist for Flavor Judge is Mike Burns, who has done more art for unsets than he has for uh, blackboarded sets. Really? Uh, he did he he did a lot for Unstable. I think Andrea Raddick is in the same boat because she did um, a lot of the really keepsy stuff for Unstable as well. Yeah, Mike Burns did all of the Beast and Shows and did the Handy Dandy Clone Machine. And one of my, two of my favorite cards actually from Unstable, the Three-Headed Goblin uh, and Skull Saucer, which Skull Saucer, if you've ever played Unstable Draft, and I think Skull Saucer is in Unsanctioned as well, uh, that card is a beating. Yes, it is. I, I have to say, if I'm going to make my uh, artist-constructed undeck, I'm definitely going to think about Mike Burns. All right. Next is Infernius Spawnington Third Esquire, who is uh, the third part of the Infernal Spawn of Evil and Infernal Spawn of Infernal Spawn of Evil joke train. Uh, people were disappointed that this card was not in Unstable. Um, so it's here now instead, and I am I am a little disappointed that it's not Infernal Spawn of Infernal Spawn of Infernal Spawn of Evil with them moving the uh, the name block down even more. But uh, I I know I know one of the talks um, about this card was that you know they they weren't able to do as much uh, graphically with this set that they were with other on sets, so they had to come up with a different name. But yeah, it's just it's just continuing that joke. It's adorable. That's great. I absolutely loved this these cards when I was younger, so I'm really excited to see it. And I really love the uh, the demon and beast situation that's been going on throughout the cards. Um, <laughs> when Infernal Spawn of Evil came out and unglued, uh, there was sort of an internal decision made that demons weren't going to be on cards. And so the creature type was summon demon, but demon was scratched out with beast written underneath it. But that had changed by the time Unhinged happened, and they put that creature type as Beast, and then scratched out Beast and put Demon underneath it. Satanic panic was real. Yes, it was. And then for this card, it's a Demon-Beast grandchild, but Demon is scratched out with Beast underneath it, and Beast is scratched out with Demon underneath it, to sort of continue that (laughs) joke. It's also a 9-9 when Infernal Spawn of Evil was a 7-7, and then Infernal Spawn of Infernal Spawn of Evil was an 8-8, so it's sort of just getting bigger every time. That's not how entropy is supposed to work. Yeah, it's also kind of bad. <laughs> uh, it's assuming that the Infernal Spawn of Evil is a 7-7, and both of his child and grandchild are uh, one ones. Anyways, to keep moving on, uh, the next uh, card in the set is Pippa, Duchess of Dice. Pippa is the green-slash-blue legendary creature. She is green with a blue activated ability, uh, and she's all about dice, which has been a recurring theme in the unsets from the beginning. Um, her art is what I really like a lot. She's just a legendary creature, human noble. Um, she has 
an ability to roll a six-sided die, and it becomes a green die creature token uh, with power and toughness equal to its result. And you can see the die in her art that are carrying little swords. They're very, very cute. Uh, and then she also has another ability, two in a blue, tap, re-roll any die. Activate this ability only any time it makes sense, because it does not work within the rules of magic, but it's an unset, so it does work, because it says so. Pippa is got really wonderful art, because there's so many little die and dice motifs throughout it. I absolutely adore her dress. She's got these big die shoulders. Her hair looks like a die. She's got die in her dress. Her throne is made of dice. Uh, there's a dice motif on the back of her throne. It's just everywhere in this art. And her name, Pippa, is great because, like, pips. Exactly. That's, that's the little... That numbers are generally called on the uh, stereotypical dice. I adore her. It, it's, also, it's also amusing because uh, Pippa is also named after uh, Pippa Middleton, the fashionable sister of uh kate middleton from the royal wedding a couple years back ah yes the monarchy for, for the people who care about the british monarchy which is really not us we've we fought like a big war over it and then like a slightly smaller war over it people don't remember the war of 1812 i remember it that was a hell of a time but this is not a history podcast not yet instead Rings a bell is a card that has a lot of bells on it. And the flavor text says, ding, ding, ding. It's all bell jokes. It's just bells everywhere. And it's like, uh, so you choose a word. Like when you say the word, it's like ringing, like a dinging bell, like like a like a ring in on like a quiz show type thing. It's just like a fun little mini game card, which I appreciate. And I, I, I just like when a card, especially in the unsets, goes all in on an aesthetic. It's like, it rings a bell, we're doing the ding flavor text, it turns it, magic into a bell ringing mini game, we're going to shove like dozens of bells in the art. Just go all out. Silver bordered, who cares? The rules also require you to pick a word with four or more letters, and words that have four letters include ring, bell, draw, deck. Lots of words that are in this card's text have four letters to them. You could pick a bunch of them. I love those little mini game cards. Uh, my, I also love how unsets can play with aspects of magic outside of the actual game you're playing. There's been a couple of cards that do this that like reference your personal like height and eye color with Avatar of Me. There are cards that require you to remember the last person you played. But one of the cards that's now in unsanctioned is Spirit of the Season, and Spirit of the Season is. One and two green for a three-three. Uh, it whenever it enters the battlefield, it gains haste if it's summer. You put a plus one plus one counter on it if it's autumn. You gain five life if it's winter. If it's spring, you search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, and put it into your hand. Then shuffle your library. Um, the flavor text is summoned for all the wrong seasons. <laughs> I love this card because i live in atlanta georgia where the seasons are whatever <laughs> you don't know uh it was like 65 degrees the other day and now i'm having to turn the heat on because it's like 30 i don't know what season we're in right now full spring i'm just gonna say if you play this card with me in a game in atlanta you get to pick whatever season it is <laughs> 
another note about this card that I think is really fun is that the artist, um, Imra El Mosley, I have butchered that name, but I am the J of the podcast today because I can't pronounce anything. Uh, But that artist is also known for doing some of my favorite art from Unstable, which is all of the extremely slow zombies, which each one took place in a different season. So got a little bit of a theme going there. The next card I want to talk about is Stet Draconic Proofreader. Stet also plays in that world of referencing things outside of the actual game you're playing. Uh, It's a 4-4 for 6 with flying. It is a dragon bureaucrat. Notably, not an advisor, a bureaucrat. It's important. It's different. Uh, whenever it attacks, you exile a card from your graveyard. When you do, Stet deals da- four damage to any target with name with whose name begins with the same letter as the exiled card. And then for white mana, you can delete the first letter of target permanent or player's name until end of turn. Stet is a term from copy editing and copywriting, proofreading, uh, typesetting. It is intended to uh, tell the typesetter or writer to disregard a change the editor or proofreader proofreader had previously marked. So essentially it's saying, I know I told you to do that before, but no, we're getting rid of that change I made. And so I kind of like that stat gets to modify people's names. I also want to know how this works with legendary creatures. I just, it, it, you know, it makes me wonder. Like, can I delay sacrificing a legendary creature until the next turn because I deleted the first letter of the name? So it comes in as Aptin Sisse instead of Captain Sisse. I wonder if Mark has answered that in the um, FAQ XYZ multiple letters. We'll link to it. The next card is Strutting Turkey. It's, uh, it's a host creature. It's a turkey. I don't know why it's a turkey. A lot of the host creatures are just animals. This one's a turkey. It is notably a creature type bird. Yes. It's also a 2-2. So when you combine it with a bat, it becomes a 3-3. And then bat turkey, when it deals damage, gets to trigger itself. Because it deals deals 3 damage. So the opponent would lose 3 life. For those of you who were listening earlier, when I talked about the bat. Hopefully you were listening earlier. (laughs) Next, we're moving on to Surgeon Commander. The pauses for the general word crossed out in their name. Uh, this is a card. Uh, so one of the complaints about Unstable was that there was no five color legendary that cared about host and augment because that's a mechanic that appeared in all five colors instead of just the green and white like we got with Dr. Julius Jumblemorph. So this is finally the five color commander for that mechanic. Um, and uh, before Wizards took over the commander format, and not really took over the commander format. It started rebranded the format and and supported it with the commander products. I was known as Elder Dragon Highlander, and your commander was known as your general. So this card is also playing on Surgeon General, which is a government position in the U.S. government. Um, and so crossing out general and commander is like this card is designed for commander. Um, it's making the sur- but the Surgeon General pun doesn't work because they're not called generals anymore. So it's crossed out and written as commander, which is hilarious. Uh, this is also, I think, the first chameleon ever printed, and this only the second ever wombat, after a rabbit wombat. Um, but this one is neat, because uh, it does a weird color identity thing where it taps to add one of any color to your mana pool, but because the symbols are written out, it makes it a five-color color identity commander instead of just a green one. Rules lawyer would be pleased. And then... Um, it's got a fancy little thing. So whenever you augment, 
enchant or mutate a creature you control, draw a card. This references the augment and host mechanic from uh, Unstable. Um, enchantments, so, so auras uh, often have transformational qualities to them. And mutate, which I can't talk about because I'm under NDA for Ikoria. <laughs> uh, we could speculate for hours about what mutate does, but we're not going to do that. You know who's not under NDA for Ikoria? It's me and Circadian Night Owl. Sorry, that was that was really bad. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Circadian Night Owl is a bird knight, not an owl, um, legendary creature who uh, has Night Link. <laughs> uh, or wait, Night Life Link, because hey, birds got a party, right? Night Life, yeah. I'm sorry. No, oh my bad. god, this whole um, card is a bunch of bad puns. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you mean good puns? Oh, they exactly. are wonderful. <laughs> uh, so you can give it vigilance if it's daytime, um, or you can give it flying if it's nighttime. Uh, but it's I, I I love the nightlife link, which is which is great. It's perfect. It's because it, it it functions like giving all of your nice life link, but they just made it word worded that way for the for the pun, and it's, I love it. Well, you know, it's night life link. Yep, and circadian is a type of owl, I believe. Uh, it that's a reference to the circadian cycle, which is uh, your kind of internal clock, which helps you regulate day and when it's day and when it's night, even when you can't see the sky. Aha! I'm a big fan of the fact that they used the sir from Eldraine, the S Y R spelling of sir. Another sir after my own. I still hate that they used the sir for Eldraine. I'm not going to repeat that rant, but this is. <laughs> I like that this card now exists because the joke, you have to pronounce it Circadian, so get dunked on everyone who was pronouncing it Seer because it makes it more gender neutral. No, it's still just Sir. I'm sorry. I don't like it. It's 2020. It's a masculine honorific. I just like the reference to Eldraine. Yes, that is clever. Uh, and then the last new card is Underdome, uh, which is a reference to, uh, is it the third Mad Max? Or the fourth one with the Thunderdome, which is a little arena for one-on-one -on -one combat. Uh, Never seen it. Neither have I. Look, I'm old, but I'm not that old. Also, just watch Fury Road. It's better. <laughs> um, so this references, uh, you know, it's it's Underdome because it's un, un, unset for an unset, but also it rhymes with Thunderdome. And it's just a land uh, that lets you add one mana of any color to spend to play silver bordered costs. So that is um, both mana costs and activated abilities of silver-bordered cards. And that's cute. Uh, there's a lot of trash around the Underdome, too. And we'll get better uh, eyes on this art at some point. But it looks to me like an old booster pack from one of the unsets is right there in the bottom left corner. So, but we'll see. That's some speculation. But we need to move on because the, there's also some basic lands that are really cool with this set. Um, yeah, so there's the the cycle of basic lands, not the fancy full art ones, which are gorgeous as usual. Um, absolutely beautiful full art lands for this set. But there's also basic lands that have squirrels hidden in the art. Uh, I believe there is a wonderful thread on Twitter that will that we've. I forget who did that one. One of Someone in, in the Vorthos cast did a thread on that, I believe, that pointed out where the squirrels were in the art. That sounds like a thing Jay did. Yeah. And 
they're just sort of like hidden into the art of the lands themselves. The island is just a squirrel that's kind of laid out. Um, it is that kind of hidden image. And I appreciate that because squirrels are sort of becoming a defining figure of Silver Bordered, which is sad if you really want them in Black Border. Hey, we got one in Modern Horizons. We did. Yeah, Mero did say that all of the people who were against squirrels have left wizards, so we might get more squirrels in the future, but we'll see. Other new art for reprints, we have uh, Timmy Power Gamer, because holy crap from Unglued, that is some dated art. Uh, so uh, this this new art has uh, Timmy in like a dinosaur cosplay thing, which is amazing and adorable and so much more fitting for this character. And then uh, they updated the flavor text. So the original said, uh, just wait till I get my Leviathan. Uh, this one says, just wait till I get my Gigantosaurus, which is not only a cute reference to the dinosaur costume, but uh, kind of an amusing, I, I hopefully intentionally amusing uh, poke at uh, some of the original arena marketing with Danny Trejo, the, the turn three Gigantosaurus. So hopefully that is an intentional reference there because that's funny and adorable and like Gigantosaurus is like one of the uh, probably with the current day like epitome of Timmy cards it's just five mana ten ten that's it that's all it does it's just big it just makes you feel powerful when you play a ten ten and it's just got big fun numbers on it when you play a ten ten you put it on the table and you can kind of feel the thump of it you know it's just a big creature well yeah there, there's more ink down in that corner so it weighs more um, yeah, you can take a scale to the store with you and you can weigh packs and that's how you can figure out which ones have the most powerful creatures. Um, do not do that. It will not work. Or do it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, do whatever you want. I'm not your mom. But another card that also got updated art, I wouldn't call it new art because, um, the card itself has the same art it had before, but the cards in the card are new. Um, and that is Johnny Combo Player. And Johnny Combo Player was originally printed as part of the Psychographic um, Trilogy. I guess there's four, there's three of them now. There's Unglued's uh, Timmy Power Gamer. Unhinged got Johnny Combo Player. And Unstable got Spike Tournament Grinder, who is my favorite of the three. Uh, but Johnny Combo Player's flavor text in Unhinged mentions Cart Clan Ironworks, Genesis Chamber, Grinding Station, and Mirror Retriever. And none of those cards appeared as the floating cards around Johnny Combo Player. So they updated the art and they put those cards floating around Johnny Combo Player, including what appears to be uh, a little Faithless Looting floating around because everyone knows every good combo deck starts with Faithless Looting. And Johnny is still wearing a shirt that has art for Stifle on it, which I think is great because Stifle is one of the original fun combo cards that I remember stifling your own Dreadnought uh, Phyrexian Dreadnought, so it wouldn't die, and you'd have a giant creature for one mana. Well, like two mana. Well, yeah. The creature was only one, though. Yes. The one thing about these reprints that, that reminds me of the fact that Vorthos doesn't have a card, and I would really would have liked to see a Vorthos card. It could have been Flavor Judge, it just didn't have to sacrifice itself after the ruling was made. would have been sweet. I think if they pull the trigger on a Vorthos and Melvin card, they will be in full silver-boarded sets. Um, is my expectation. Uh, there is one more card I wanted to mention. Um, we didn't have it on our list, but I remembered it. Uh, so uh, Perennial Cube Favorite Booster Tutor is getting reprinted. I love Booster Tutor. Booster Tutor is my favorite cube card. It is, it is unbelievable. It is so fun. 
so here's the problem. Remember earlier when I mentioned that I hate Unhinged? The humor in that is like stuff a 12-year-old who wants to like adult things thinks it's is funny. So uh, the, the pack version of Booster Tutor and Unhinged had the flavor text, the really fragile flavor text, uh, real men use Arabian Nights boosters. Like, you can tone down the toxic masculinity in my card game, please. Thankfully, uh, there was there was an uh, Arena League promo of this, which had better flavor text, and uh, that said, uh, make your judgment wisely. The right pack will let you defeat your nemesis, but a poor choice can only end in torment. And Homelands. Because <laughs> the flavor text was just like name-dropping sets, and then they just threw like, and again, Homelands. To, to get another set name in the flavor text really clunkily it's cute um but so this reprint has uh, that promo artwork on it and then has uh the new flavor text uh quote you saved the urza saga pack all these years for this <laughs> referencing the amusing power <laughs> workers urza sagas packs that are absurdly expensive it's just like thank you for getting rid of that atrocious flavor text from the original printing I don't know who managed the creative text for this set, but y'all are the best. I will first pick Booster Tutor in any cube draft. Yes. Anytime, every time, without fail. It's so I good. I have taken that over some very embarrassingly powerful cards because I just prefer playing with Booster Tutor. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Now we are heading into Final Thoughts, where we share thoughts to end the episode. Hence the name Final Thoughts. It's very clever. Uh, my final thought is that I missed D&D already. Aww. It was I tricked you all into playing D&D. I tricked Chris into DMing, and I tricked my friends into joining me for D&D during a time where I knew they would be free because they were podcasting with me. <laughs> <laughs> I missed it already. We'll, we'll, we'll get back for a Coria, but... Uh... It was really fun. Like, and honestly, listeners, if you have feedback for the D&D episodes... Um, that was a very new thing we tried, and uh, it's something that we intend to do more of. But, uh, you know, if there's things we can do to make it better, um, you know, we want to hear ideas. Uh, so if you have strong feelings either way about the, the D&D adventure we just did, Acid on Sulfur, uh, hit us up on social media somewhere. So, yeah. My final thought is that I saw this awesome gif about... Um... Or not a gif, it was a TikTok um, about a duck who was dancing with his uh, caretaker. And it, 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 it caused me to, to think, and I, it still hasn't completely left my mind. And it, it's still one of those things where if, if I'm ever not concentrating on anything, it just pops in and, and makes me smile a little bit. And it's great. And I'll probably end up retweeting, or I will retweet it here, but it's great. And you should watch it. And it's hilarious. And it... it came back today because apparently the Chinese are sending a army of lo or ducks to uh, combat some locusts in the area. So, yeah. I don't know if that's the right country. I think I thought it was the Chinese, but I might be wrong. It's okay. We're not a news podcast. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we're not a news podcast, and we're not a history podcast. We are a podcast. Yes, China may send ducks to battle Pakistan's locust swarms. Ah, so it's an international incident. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. I wasn't aware that the Chinese and Pakistani were uh, combating locusts versus ducks. 
Yeah, it, it, the news broke this morning, so it's um, news to everybody. Oh, someone should fix it. The ducks will. I thought they were combating the locusts. Who's going to fix the news? No. No, the news is breaking. It's not broken yet. It's just in a constant state of breaking. Oh, that sounds painful. But relatable. Just do your final thoughts, Chris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, without Jay here, we just kind of linger around, don't we? Um, my final thought is that uh, Carrie, friend and uh, host of the show, uh, who is on a extended sabbatical leave, whatever term we're using, uh, Carrie just wrapped up a fan fiction series on their website, mtglore.com. Yes. And I think that it's awesome and it's fantastic and everyone should go read it uh, because I love the fact that as a community, we create our own stories and we don't allow ourselves to stop. <laughs> um, there's no story right now for Theris Beyond Death. It will be coming out. But Carrie saw that we wanted to have stories to talk about and they went out and commissioned some wonderful authors to write this great fan fiction and it's finally all up, and you should go read it. And that's my final thought. And if you like supporting fan works, well, I got some great news for you. You're listening to one. So if you want to help support the Vorthos cast, you can head over to patreon.com slash Vorthoscast and donate today. Everyone who supports us gets access to our Discord community, where Vorthoses around the world are celebrating magic and all kinds of things. Didn't we just got the Baldur's Gate 3 gameplay trailer, the Magic Legends trailer, Paxes thing ah it's exciting uh pax east and uh so uh that's a nice little community for you to join if you would like to support us and would like to join the little community you don't have to you can just support us and just sit in your home by yourself if that is your preferred method of supporting the show uh we also have monthly mini episodes called pull from the deep where uh on our second tier and and those are just kind of like random little topics um they tend to be more personal you get to know us a little bit better uh kind of filter some of our special interests into things that relate to magic uh stuff that we would wouldn't really talk about in a normal episode so those are a little uh bonus series that you get and then at our highest tier you can be a live listener we record thursday nights around 7 to 7 30 p.m eastern time so if that is a time slot you have available and would like to get the podcast a couple days early uh chat with us before and after the show listen to all the horrific mistakes that we cut out of the final versions of episodes uh that's that's a tier for you so uh thank you to everyone who supports us and listens and uh this has been the vorthos cast <laughs>